Hey, so tonight, what I'd like to do, I want to jump right in because uh, I've got a few things I want to go over that I think will be really encouraging for all of us. And um, it's really, we're going to look at, I call it the road to amaze us, but it's really the road to amaze us. But it really is amazing when you start breaking it down and taking a look at it. And, and what I see within this particular text is, is really some encouragement for, you know, when we're ready to get started again, or maybe we've been kind of refreshed, renewed a little bit, and, and we just got to watch out for certain things, but we also got to be, you know, just intentional. We got to be kind of thinking through where we're going to go. And so uh, I just titled this little portion of this little glance at this scripture, Renewed and Ready to Serve. And you'll see how this all fits together as we take a look at it. So with that, I, I know it may seem repetitive to some, but it just, it's, this part that I, I just wired this way. I got to pray before I read the word. Okay, so I know you're the same. Lord, as we look to your word, we, we don't want to approach it as uh, a piece of literature or a religious book that's been handed down through the centuries with, with mere words and statements. We believe it to be what you have declared it to be, the living word, Lord, that you bring it to life in our hearts and minds, that you show us not only the meaning, you bring clarity to how to apply it and how to live it. And so, Lord, will you just speak to our hearts tonight, Lord God, for those who are getting baptized or some who may just have a, a little anxiety or a little uneasiness, Lord, could you just bring that, that calmness that comes from you, Lord. It comes as your word has made it known to even encourage us to be still and know that you are God, to be calm, this as in Psalm 46.10, and, and that we would, Lord, just enjoy this time in the Word tonight, this time together because of your promises, because of your power that transformed lives, and may we be touched by you tonight. Amen. All right, well, let's begin in Luke chapter 24, and let me set the stage a little bit for what's taken place. Uh, many of you are aware, I know many of you have even read this story, and uh, it's what's happening is, you know, there's several people over the previous roughly three to four years have heard about this man named Jesus. They, they knew his background as they were first introduced. He was a carpenter by trade as far as the family vocation, if you would. But it wasn't because his hands-on skill with wood and stone that captured their attention. It's the way he spoke words of life and truth. He, he, he spoke as if he actually believed what he was talking about. The Bible tells us, says it in this way, he spoke with authority. And, and that not meaning to be above everybody, but rather can people, this, these were the words of life. And what was unique is it was quite a bit different. His expression and mannerisms and, and the way he conveyed and communicated with people was quite a bit different than the religious leaders of the day. And so there were, the people were noticed, and so they started following. And some of these people that followed became what we call disciples, meaning they wanted to go deeper still. They wanted to learn more about what Jesus had to say. All disciples are believers, but not all believers are disciples. See, some people choose not to go as deep. And it's not so much that they're, they're rebellious. Sometimes, look in your own life, those of you that are disciples, you may notice there was a season when you weren't quite as interested. For whatever reason, for whatever purpose, it doesn't matter. I know in my life, there was times I just I was content just to know the, the, the truth of salvation. 
But as life continued to go, I realized, yeah, there's more to it than this. There's more to it than just sitting and watching from a distance as a fan in a, at a game. And so I learned just, I, I don't think it's because I, I'm smart. I, many of you know me, you, you could validate that. That's not the case. So I'm not that smart. So it's like, it wasn't anything internal in, in, in me, just like with you. It's the grace of God that draws us into a closer relationship. And so we start, you know, seeking more and wanting to know more about his ways, about the truth of the gospel. And, and so these disciples, they start following him. And for three to four years, they've seen him engage with the culture. So, you know, um, some of the outcasts and some of the castaway people, some of the people that were, were sick and looked upon in society as there's something wrong with them. Jesus engaged with them. He, he conversed with them in, in, in a culture that didn't do that. You remember, I could just throw out a few examples, like the woman at the well, right? He talks to her in such a kind manner that his own, own disciples kind of slip a gear a little bit because they're like, what? what's going on here? Um, there was a woman who had a flow of blood who had this health condition for 12 years. And, and a religious leader wouldn't engage with that person because that person was perceived to be uh, have some problems, and therefore this infirmity was upon this woman because of her rebellion or whatever. God was punishing her, which was not true at all. So Jesus engaged with them. They they watched this. They also seen the the growing confrontation, because as Jesus is reaching the people, just being real, the religious establishment is is. The hair on the back of their neck is standing up a little bit. They were getting a little put out. Why? Well, a few things we know. They were losing their grip on perceived power. They were losing the, the influence of the masses. And so they started kind of setting him up. Remember, you've read in the, the Gospels a lot where they were trying to trap Jesus. They were, they were trying to trick him at various times, These, this religious establishment. So, so think about what was happening because it's not unlike our culture today. There's those who present sometimes a, 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 a religious perspective. And, and then there's those who have, a, have a, a, a growing love for Jesus Christ. And there's this growing love that's going and sometimes it grows further apart. And so all this to say, I hope I'm giving you enough to track through these three to four years. These disciples are following him. They're seeing this growing confrontation. At one point, just a little bit before what we're going to read about, they were coming into Jerusalem, and Jesus wept over Jerusalem. It wasn't because of the destruction that was going to come upon the city in, in, in uh, just a few decades. It wasn't because of all the you know, animosity among the religious establishment or the, you know, the, the, the Roman presence and the political issues and all the hot topics of that day. It was his love for the people. It was his love. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. They actually rejected him, and he knew that was going to happen. And you can bet that as his disciples are with him, and he weeps over Jerusalem as he comes in, you can surely think, man, that things are changing. They knew it. They knew that you know, threats were made, and there's times that they stayed away from Jerusalem because the, the edict, the mandate among the, the Jewish leaders was that if they could catch him, they were going to keep him. And so he just, they, they, he was in, in um, Capernaum and various places. Well, we know the story. He does, with the broken heart 
and the love for people enter into Jerusalem. He enters into Jerusalem, and they're waiting for him. He spends some time with his disciples. He uh, gives them, you know, really word of encouragement. You can pick it up in John 12, clear through the end of the Gospel of John. Because he knows it's, it's coming down, and there's one time they decide they go to prayer, a place that they had went on, on occasion. And he asked his disciples to stay and pray. We know it is the Garden of Gethsemane. As they stay there to pray, he goes on a little further, and he has this very intense moment in time to the point where a hematitrosis, where his, his body is, is literally sweating drops of blood. There's this physical stress in the reality of dying for the sins of the world. And as he, he's separated from his disciples, he comes back and has a little word for him because they kind of nodded off when they should have been praying. Not that any of us would do that. But nonetheless, they kind of, you know, wake up and, and he comes back again and you know what happens. Then, then the betrayer, Jesus, leads this group of Roman, uh, well, of kind of a mixed bag. They come to arrest him. And what do the disciples do? You remember what happens? They all flee. In the moment, they run, they run off. Now, as they've ran off and, and, and you know, trying to figure out what's going on, we know Jesus is brutally beaten. He is, um, they have these mock trials. Um, after he's arrested, he's beaten, um, literally public shaming, um, trying to make a, an example of him. Uh, he's crucified. I won't get into all that, but you understand how horrific that was. Darkness in the middle of the day has happened. So here's this time over the land, and you as a disciple or a follower, you're soaking all this in. And you've got to admit, when he was arrested and stayed arrested, because there's a hope, you know, he walked on water. You know, he could have just, like, maybe just like, I'm out of here. But he didn't. He laid his life down. He wasn't taken captive. He'd give himself over. And so you're seeing all this. Then you see him as he carries the cross partway through the city. You're there perhaps at a distance looking with weeping eyes and a broken heart. You're looking at, at his body upon the cross. Blood and sweat all over. Just a horrible mess. And, th- and then the body's taken down. And it's placed inside a tomb. And, and, and a stone is rolled in front of the tomb, sealing it off. You can't roll it back. And so here you're sorting all this out. It's like, man... But then you got word, you heard, that, 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 the, that he was risen. But it was the women that said it. And the Bible says they just didn't believe the women. And so they didn't believe, they were so hard-hearted, they go to the tomb. Now let's pick up here in chapter 24. Two of these guys who are working all this out, behold, two of them, verse 13, were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus which was seven miles from Jerusalem. Emmaus was known for warm baths and hot springs. You can't help but wonder. It's like, you know, maybe they just said, I need a soak in a hot tub. I just got to get away. I got to sort this out. But catch what happens as we continue to read along. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. Kind of the background I just laid. Verse 15, so it was, while they conversed and reasoned, I love this, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. So they're just walking on the road to Emmaus. And he's maybe, maybe there's a fair amount of people traveling. I, we don't know for sure. But he just kind of walks up with them. He drew near to them. Verse 16, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. I, I don't know the context. I don't know 
what the restraining presence was. I have to lean a little bit at least to when you're going through a hard time, you're kind of kicking the ground, aren't you? Aren't you looking down more than looking up? Aren't you kind of downtrodden, the Bible speaks of? I know that was at least a portion, but nonetheless, they didn't pick up on who he was. In verse 17, he said to them, well, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? So he's picking up on, on how, what's happening. He knows they're, they're not really stoked about what's taking place. And so a, a key here, I'm going to give you a, a point if you're a note taker. Receive from him even when you are disappointed. It's really important to learn to receive from the Lord because they're going to actually literally going to receive from him because he's going to ask, he asks them, what's going on? And notice what this guy Cleopas says. Then one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you out of your mind? <laughs> well, he said it this way. Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? And have you not known the things which happened there in these days? A lot of things have been happening. A tremendous amount of things have been happening. It wasn't the main thing in Jerusalem. It was a, a major thing. But, you know, there was a lot of other stuff happening at this time of, of the Passover and the celebration and all this gathering. Big city. So he asked them. He said to them in verse 19, what things? I wonder how they said it. <laughs> what do you mean, what things? <laughs> you go think I wanted to say, notice this. The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God, and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. So you can see here, as they are sharing, they had hopes. That's why we see... Clearly, in their lives, there was some disappointment. Let me just say, when you're dealing with disappointment, you want to learn to identify the disappointment. You don't trust your own assessment of the situation because, see, they were disappointed and they can't figure out how this guy, who they don't know as Jesus, would not know what's going on. Because things in their mind, their, their conclusions and their reasoning left them disappointed and sad. And we're going to see... He, gonna, he's going to literally invite them to return back to him. But there's a passage in the script in the Bible that says, uh, search me and see if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so I, I believe what Jesus is going to literally teach them is to, to literally look within to realize, why am I disappointed? Well, here's some good reasons why. The one I was following has, has not, he didn't fulfill what I hoped he would be. He's, he's dead. Even though there's some rumors and word on the street stuff, but it didn't work out. So this disappointment is heavy. And so a person want to say, will want to say, is like, well, Lord, is there something I'm missing? You know, when you're reading the Bible, have you ever read the, been reading the Bible and you come across something and you go, I don't think so. Anywhere. Always remember, this is what's so beautifully unique about the Bible. It's true. It's the unfallible, inerrant word of God. When I come across a passage and I'm like, well, how's that? We were studying here just last night about, you know, um, that in Colossians that we died with Christ. No, I didn't. Not physically. I'm still here. So my logic is, well, how? but here's the thing. It's still right. But I don't understand it. 
It's your problem. It's not that complicated. I, it's so important. I, I know it's counterculture and it's contrary to, to Western civilization, so to speak, way of thinking. But the word of God is always right. And therefore we want to find, okay, how does this work? And, and Isaiah, he, he was working through some things and, and, and God said to him, Come now, reason together, you and I, thus saith the Lord. He was invited in this relationship to reason with God. But when you reason, when I reason with God, i got to begin with this base foundation and this simple reality and this beautiful truth. He is right, even when I don't understand. He's always right. Even when it hurts, even when it's confusing, even when it's complicated, even when there's tears and everything about me says, no, he's not. He is always right. And as we stay the course and continue to seek, we start seeing things. And so Jesus, you know, he invites you to share your opinion and feeling. Can you, can you catch this? This is what he said to his disciples. Boy, I'm bummed out about. What, are you out of your mind? Are you not from around here? Do you not know what's happened? He could have said, hey, look, right here, right here. Pay attention. I'm not going to tell you again. You know, which some of us would react that way. Instead, he's like, oh, so... Kind of open up your heart a little bit. What's what kind of going down? What, what, what's the scenario? What's the situation? And, and, and he'll always bring us to this question. But who do you say that I am? But who do you say that I am? Well, your Lord. They, they believed. That he, they were introduced that he was the Messiah, but they didn't embrace it. And even at this point, they haven't embraced it. it it's not till later that they get, it, it's like the light bulb moment happens which is true in many of our lives. So here's what I would encourage you. In verse 17, you know, this, they're talking about what kind of conversation it was. Avoid critical conversations and conclusions. Just remember, you, there's certain things as you were working out who God is, how God is, why God is, and all these challenges of life. Always remember, you're still needing more information. Still needing more information. Still needing to work through it. What kind of conversation? You know, ultimately, we can see from the text that they were physically leaving Jerusalem. Agreed? We know where they're going. They're going seven miles to this, this hot springs area. But they're spiritually walking away from the Lord as well. There was a distraction, a disappointment. It was beginning to take them off course. And, 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 and it's so beautiful as we see what Jesus does. He, he builds people up. He chose the high road, if you would. It's a tougher road, and it requires conscious effort to follow it. If you're going to build people up, you must be willing to see things from God's perspective. You, even when it doesn't, it defies all reason and even is, is hard to work through. We're told in James chapter 1, um, Be swift to hear and slow to speak. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And that tells us to reason this through. Jesus could have found plenty of fault with people. Instead, he chose to lift people up out of this muddy mess of life. And in the beautiful picture, the metaphor is out of the miry clay and onto this beautiful rock, the rock of salvation, the rock of Christ. It's a sure footing, a sure foundation. Receive from the word even when you're dis- disappointed. And notice what happens now as he, we, we read here, and they convey in verse 21, we were hoping this, that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today's the third day, ever since these things happened. So they, they share their disappointment in what, what was known about Jesus, and now they're sharing some input, some things that have been said, but they're slow to receive. 
Yes, verse 22, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. So we can see within this, based on even Jesus' dialogue, that as they're getting input and it's like, hey, there's hope. There's a light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak, in this disappointing time. They were slow to receive it. And so he's going to teach them. He's going to bring them, literally, he's going to return them, bring them back to the word. Let's look what happens as he, as he begins to engage with them in verse 25. He said to them, oh, foolish ones, not in any derogatory or way to put them down. He, he's really kind of jarring their reasoning. Foolish ones and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? So he puts this question, isn't this what the word of God says? Didn't this, this leader who you're longing for, when you read Psalm 22, when you were aware of Isaiah 53, 51, when, when you were reading through that, didn't this jar something in you? All the Old Testament is speaking of, of this suffering Savior to come. They were looking for a, a Saul, head and shoulders above the rest, a man of stature and, and that could carry him. Well, here's Jesus. He's, he's, he's kind, compassionate, and authoritative. And so notice as we kind of dig into this just a bit, beginning at Moses and all the prophets. And Jesus then walks them through the word that they knew. What they had, he walks them through the word. He actually, instead of saying, listen, I'm not going to tell you again. You're going to follow me the way I showed you. You've been following me for three years. You're just going to do it. Now pay attention. No, he walks them through the word. Did, did any, I, I, I wish that's one. Even I know this was even before cassettes and eight tracks, but it would have been nice to have this one recorded. Can we agree? I, I just think it's, we're going to maybe get to hear it later. He began at Moses in, in the first five books and then the prophets, and he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So he brought them to the word to understand the truth about him. And notice what we were told there in verse 28. Then they drew near to the village where they were going. So they put in seven miles. And he indicated that he's going to keep on going. It would have gone farther. But they constrained him. They went from saying, who are you? Have you not, how come you didn't, don't you get, you know, don't you get, don't you check your email? Don't you know what's going on around here? And now they're like, no, 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 stay with us. We want to we hear more from you. But they constrained him, saying, abide with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to stay with them. Verse 30, now it came to pass, as he sat at the table with them, and he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished from their sight. I just, it's one of those parts where I hope you can put your mind there. Like, you know, you're just in the room and all this is unfolding. And all they're talking and then he's, they're like, oh, we get it. We get it. He's like, yeah, I'm out. It's like, he doesn't walk out the door. He just vanishes. He literally is not exiting the way you'd normally exit because it would say so. He, in this resurrected body, which is similar to our resurrected body, he has this capacity to relocate even potential, well, even through walls, we know later in other stories. So it's pretty fascinating how he brings them to this understanding of the truth. They realize who he is, and he says, okay, now don't look at me physically. Know who I am, literally, the living God. 
That they, you see, if you start making this association like they very uniquely had, that they could only believe him when they see him, then when he's not there with them, then they're going to really shake and, and wonder. But we know he said later to the disciples who seen him, blessed are you who, because you, you believe, but you believe because you see. How much more is the blessing upon those who believe but do not physically get to see? That's you and me. We're the ones that he's speaking of there. Now, as we continue, you see that Jesus, there is the passage we look at, brought them to the word. So you want to receive from him even when it's disappointing, when you're disappointed, when your things are hard. Return to the word when you're struggling. And, and even many of you that are getting baptized, you're in a, in, a, in a middle stage of this. You're like, all right, I'm excited. I'm looking forward. You know, you want to return to the word. This is the sure foundation. This is how we know the truth of God, the promises of God, the word of God. To immerse ourselves with a complete dependence, believing that he will teach us his word as we turn to him and look to him. Return to the word. And now the last point I want to bring in before we have the kids come back is return to serving. We, we find this in uh, verse 30. Actually, I'm sorry, excuse me, verse uh, 32. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? I call this the holy heartburn that's good to have. You think about it. He, they're literally identifying. There was something, not just a, a, a healthy intellect that stimulated. That's really important as we study the word. But more so, there was also this, this something within. The, the word there speaks of the very innermost part. Uh, it speaks of the bowels, which speaks of the depth of who we are. Did this, at the very deepest point of who we are, didn't it, wasn't it stirred and brought to life? Wasn't it awakened when he taught us the word, when he spoke truth to us, when we were around him? And so as they, they realized this, notice what happens. So they rose up that very hour, and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven, those who were with them, gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about things which had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. They arose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. Why didn't they, why, what was their point of logic to talk Jesus into staying with them? It's late. You know, kind of hang out with us. We'll just, just we'll have dinner or whatever. It's, we've been seven miles down the road. It's late. But notice what happens now. They get up, gather their gear, what little they had, and now they're going seven miles back the other way. They're compelled. They're excited. They're, they're warmed up and ready because they're, they're actually literally going to serve. They want to go tell their, their the other disciples. They want to tell those what they know to be true. They don't have all the answers, but they can share what they know to be true. Really important to realize that. That's how they serve. They just go and share. They're excited. They're, it's purposeful. They return to Jerusalem to encourage others, to, to serve others. Serving is about knowing Jesus and then sharing what you know. You know, churches in our culture refer to as nonprofits. We're ref- referred to as this type of organization. It's, it's sometimes it's considered to be very similar to other associations or fraternities or gatherings or or volunteer networks. So we're just another volunteer network. No, we're not. No, the uniqueness to the body of Christ is his, his children's family. We are compelled to tell the truth about dad. 
We are compelled to let people know about the one that we've got to know. And you may share with somebody in school. You may talk to somebody, even, I know this is going out on a limb, but you may talk to somebody at Walmart. And as you, you're there and you're starting to engage a little bit, you're like, they ask you, well, then, okay, well, what about the uh, Crusades? You know, maybe I think that's an old question they don't use anymore, but there's something. You know, and they're, oh, they're gonna, they may fire back at you, and you're like, I don't know, I wasn't there. Well, yeah, but what about this, and what about that? I don't know. I don't know. But I, I can tell you what I do know. I, I do know from personal experience, but mom, mainly from the very written word of God that Jesus rose from the dead. That's, that I know. You just share what you know. We sometimes do, can we agree, there's some conversations you're not looking forward to. You know, Andy the antagonist, you know, Carl the critic, whoever it may be, you know, you're like, I don't really want to engage with them. But guess what? Just share what you know to be true. That's all, that's all you have to do. Just, just, just live it out. And, and, you know, I think it's another thing is important that um, even as disciples, it's important to be updated. We call it study of the word. We call it fellowship. But there's this beautiful thing God has designed in the body of Christ where the older people share with the younger people and the younger people share with the older people. And it's not saying, well, we got to get all the wisdom from the gray hair. No, that's really helpful, but you can get old and be stupid too. You know, aging's automatic. Maturity's a choice, right? And so you, you, you know, you some people, you know, as you grow in the Lord, you can pour this back and this person just soaks it in. But as they're soaking it in, it becomes this way where you're sharing with one another. And you can read the letter to, from Titus and kind of, kind of soak it in a little bit to see what it says. My encouragement is to share, you know, up, be updated, be willing to just communicate and convey. And so these guys left. It says in verse 35 that uh, they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. Uh, it's another aspect of just even communion to be aware of. But let me finish this point up, this portion up. With They recognized and knew it was Jesus. This story parallels some of your days and weeks and months where there's times where you don't know if you believe or not. But if you're willing to receive if you're willing to tune your ear and even open your heart to what Jesus would say, he'll build you up. He'll bring awareness and bring truth to you. And as he does that, as you recognize that, you're invigorated, you're ignited. Serving is an encouragement because obedience has benefits. Correct? If you kids don't understand, if you're not sure, um, ask your parents for clarity. Obedience has benefits, and it's the same in the with the, in, in our walk with God. He he lays out some things for us that are beneficial to us to walk according to His truth. So I'm excited because tonight now, as we shift to you know, kind of setting up a few things here and, and have a baptism together. Baptism, really, I don't mean to oversimplify it, but maybe with simplicity to clarify it, is an outward expression of an inward change of heart. It's because someone has salvation and they've entered into this relationship and they've experienced his restoration, they've experienced even renewal. For some that will get baptized, they're recently reborn, born again. And this is an expression of that new life. The, the representation is the body goes underwater. It's the old life and the new life is the, body, is the, wet, the person body coming up. It's a new life. 
new, that's the simple representation. But it's also that way for some who are making a renewal or a, a recommitment. You've walked through life and you've struggled with things and you're at a point you realize, I don't want to do that anymore. And I'm willing to make a public statement. I want to, be, I want to remind myself and let others see too who I used to be the last weeks, months, years. Even though I was born again back in grade school. No, this, this is a reminder. That was the old me giving into the world and not leaning on the Lord. This is, that's washed away. And I want to make a new start, a fresh start, a renewed start. So... Mm-hmm.